In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite all the kids up through the 12th grade to come forward. Good morning. How's everyone? Good. Hi. Good morning. Hey, when I, and I don't know if they still have these today, but when I was little, they had a toy that was called Mr. Potato Head. Did any of you have one? You ever have a Mr. Potato Head? Did you? So it's, a, it's just a, a, a kind of a, a round head and you can stick eyes into it and a nose and a mustache and a mouth and ears so you can put all those things on it in any way you want to you can put the mouth up here and the eye down here and the nose over here we used to do that all the time you you don't have one you ever seen one yeah Yeah. oh yeah okay you've seen them then yeah you ever played with one you ever stick the Eyes down here or over here. Yeah, yeah, okay. So you know what I'm talking about. So what if, what if you didn't have the head to stick all the eyes and the mouth and the ears? And what if you didn't have anything? To, they'd just fall to the ground, wouldn't they? Then you wouldn't, you don't have a head to put them on. You can put shoes. You can put what? Shoes. Shoes. On, on the head? Oh, that's right. They did, they did have shoes, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they had shoes. Yeah, they had shoes. Yeah, yeah, they had all that. Well, our, our epistle reading today talks about Jesus, who is the head of the church. Jesus, the Bible tells us Jesus is the head of the church. So you know who my boss is? Jesus. You know who your boss is? Jesus. Jesus. That's right. So Jesus is the head of the church. And we're the ears and the arms and the feet and the nose and the mouth. And so we fit onto the head. But, but without the head, we're nothing, right? And you can look all over the world at all the millions of churches. And, and, and they, the head might look different because people look different. And maybe things are, people do, Christians do things a little bit different. But the head is still Jesus. Oh, all over the world, the head of the church is still Jesus. And, and that's what matters. And so you can look in, in, in Nigeria, you can look in Rwanda, you can look in Asia, you can look in China, you can look at churches all over. And they're going to look a little bit different, but the, but the wonderful thing is the head is always Jesus. That's, we are his church And he takes care of his church. And he loves his church. And he wants us to be, behave like a church. And and love like a church. And reach out like a church. That's who God is. And so without the head, we're nothing. Without Jesus, we're nothing. But with Jesus, we can be what he wants us to be. And because it always depends on the head. If you don't have a head, it all falls away, doesn't it? Remember that, okay? Okay. If you want to get a packet from Mr. Doremus over here, you can get a packet and color while you listen to the adult sermon. Thank you all for coming up. Good job. You want to get a packet right over here?
You can get a, you can get a coloring packet if you want to. Okay, well, you can get one. Okay, I'm sorry. So there was a priest friend of mine who put one of those sanitary hot air hand dryers in the restroom at his church. You know what I'm talking about? What dries off the hands. And then after two weeks, he took it out. And I asked him, why in the world did you take that out? Did it not work? And he confessed that it worked fine. But when he went in one day, he saw a sign on it that read, for a sample of this week's sermon, push the button. I know. That's not right, is it? Something is wrong with that. And then to top that off, one of our parishioners, I won't mention any names, was in the hospital having trouble sleeping and she asked for some recordings of my sermons. <laughs> you know what that does to me? It just breaks. By the way, did you hear about the two antennas who met on a roof, fell in love, got married? They say the ceremony was not much, but the reception was great. <laughs> what, it's going downhill? You know, years ago, my brother and I, we had gone to a church convention, and I really don't remember where, but I'm almost positive it was downtown Chicago. And on one of the nights where we stayed late, we were dismissed quite late. We hadn't eaten supper, neither one of us. So we start walking around the downtown area looking for a place to eat. But we couldn't find anything open except for one very upscale restaurant. And so we went in there. But when we went in, we saw that we had a problem. The maitre d', he wouldn't let us in. I think he could have cared less that we hadn't eaten since lunch. He, he wouldn't let us in, he said, because we weren't wearing a sports coat. And evidently, everyone had to have a jacket on in order to be seated, in order to get, get into that place to eat. And we tried to show him that we were wearing a really nice sports shirt, but that didn't convince him. Mr. Maitre D, black tie man with the French accent, he was unimpressed with our begging. He seated everyone else, Mr. and Mrs. Debonair, they got in. Mr. and Mrs. Classier Than Thou, they got a table. But Mr. didn't wear a, a jacket, no, they didn't let us in. If we had had another option, we, would, we, we really would not have begged. But we didn't have another option. The hour was late. There were no fast food restaurants down in the area. Other restaurants were closed, most of them, or booked. And we were hungry. And so we pleaded with the maitre d', there's got to be something you can do. He looked at me, and then he looked at my brother, and then he let out this long sigh. All right, he said. Let me see. And he disappears into the cloakroom, comes back with two jackets. He said, put these on. We did. My brother's jacket looked quite nice. Mine, on the other hand, the sleeves were too short, the shoulders were 
too tight, and I'm not sure, but I think I would have called it puke green color. But we didn't complain. I didn't complain. I put it on. We had the jackets. We were given the table. Now, the way I see it, the maitre d' was too kind to turn us away, but too loyal to lower his standards. The maitre d' was too kind to turn us away, but too loyal to lower his standards. So the very one who required the jacket, the maitre d', he gave us the jacket, and we were given a table. Now here's a question. Isn't that what happened on the cross? And I'll come back to that in a minute. Last week, and this is a second part series, I spoke a lot about sin. And I know from some of your comments this past week that it hit pretty close to home. I spoke about all of us, everyone having to go around navigating in a dirty world filled with contamination. I spoke about us having to wash our bodies every night in order to keep them clean, having to put on deodorant every day so as to keep us from stinking. And then I talked about how our spiritual lives deserve the same kind of attention, but that we can't do it ourselves no matter how long and how hard we try. There is so much slime in this world that keeps us from doing the things we want to do, and we end up doing those things that we don't want to do. So what do we do about that? As I mentioned last week, we go to the one who can make us clean, the one who has the power to wash us off over and over and over again. And so today I want to say a few more things about this whole struggle with sin. First of all, I want you to know this, that everyone struggles with sin in their lives. You are not the only one. Everyone struggles with sin in their lives. If you believe otherwise, who in the world misled you thinking that you wouldn't have to struggle? Oh, but Father Stan, Christians aren't supposed to struggle with sin, are they? Who said that to you? Who told you? I'll tell you this, Christian integrity is demonstrated not by the absence of struggle, but, but, it's, but when you struggle, it's how you deal with it, how you manage the struggle. We are fallen creatures in a fallen world. We all have our vulnerabilities. We live in a world that exploits us, just like the devil exploits us. And I can't think of a better thing to do with the weakness than to own it instead of pretending that it's not there. Because when we own it and when we confess it, what happens is we are driven deeper into God rather than away from God. Some people think that if you talk about your sin, you, it's going to remove you more from God, but it doesn't. It brings you deeper into God. So let me talk a little bit more about this whole concept of sin. Sin basically means to miss God's mark, God's intention for our lives, to not do what God wants us to do. But in Hebrew, the word sin means three basic things. And this is very important for us to know. The most common understanding of sin has to do with defiance. Like when we are rebelling and resisting 
and doing what we want to do rather than what God wants us to do. Something like, I could do better, but I choose to do this. Or, I want what I want when I want it. That sort of thing. When we do that, we are missing God's intention for our lives. Why is it, I wonder, that people who allegedly believe that God is good, why do they resist God? Why would they not surrender to God? Why would they defy God? Why would they rebel against God? You know what this tells us? It tells us that we are not confident in God's character. We don't surrender to somebody we don't trust. People do things for reasons. I defy God because ultimately I don't trust God. And that lack of trust is something that we've really got to work on. Another reason why people sin, the second basic understanding of sin is biblically defined in Hebrew as being corrupted and misled by other people. We miss God's intent because we have been corrupted or compromised or misled. For example, we often hear, sometimes we even say, it's not my fault that Adam and Eve made a bad choice and messed up my spiritual destiny. It's not my fault I had an alcoholic father. It's not my fault I grew up in a culture that tells me to do anything I want to do as long as it feels good. You see, people blame the sin within them on other people or other circumstances. And it is true, many times, these sorts of things work together and they do mislead us. And sometimes it's nice to know that if we search for the truth, we will find that there really are those reasons that cause me to be the way that I am. And it helps us to understand other people, too, when we understand that concept, to see them that way because that sin causes them to be the way they are. But I will also say this, no matter what causes us to sin, if we are off track, we can get back on track. Yes, we can get back on track. If we've missed the mark of God's intention, we can aim again and again and again with lots of perseverance And ultimately, the investment of perseverance will be worth it. And when we persevere, no matter what you feel in your time of sin, those feelings are temporary, like a wave that just washes over you. But if you are anchored in your commitment to Jesus Christ and boundaried by his love and forgiveness that wave can just wash on by without washing you away with it. And then there's a third basic definition of sin, and that is to not do what God wants us to do because we are weak. In fact, in the literal Hebrew, it means you try to stand up on your legs, but your legs and your ankles are too weak that even... Though you want to stand up, you falter and you stumble and you fall. There are many people in this world who want to do the will of God, 
They want to do what God intends for them to do in their lives, and yet they stumble and they struggle and they fall down along the way in their lives. In our lives, there are areas of our sin nature that are not yet healed with which we are still struggling. Maybe we've not gone through enough of God's program of discipline yet, where strength and grace is supplied to move us away from these certain sins and weaknesses. And so in our efforts to do what is right, we struggle and we fall down, kind of like a little baby learning how to walk. The baby wants to fulfill the desire of walking upright, but when they are so young, over and over again, they fall down more than they walk upright. And in the beginning, the parents just say, you little evil baby, why aren't you walking upright? That's God's intention for you. Yes, of course it's God's will. But the baby falls down and fails far more than it succeeds in the beginning because the baby was not born with perfect motor skills and coordination. All of that has to be practiced with perseverance toward the mark and eventually that is achieved and a world of freedom opens up for that child. And it's the same way with our souls. There are many people who struggle with their sins who may have been struggling with the same sin for a month or a year or maybe even a decade. And it may take more than a decade or so for them to eventually have that sin removed from their lives. Perseverance, practice, that's what gets us the crown. It's not about walking perfectly. It's about persevering. That's why we borrow Christ's perfection because we still don't produce perfection yet do you see how these three concepts round out our understanding of sin there are times when we don't fulfill what God wants because we've been corrupted because we've been misled because we are weak it isn't all about defying God and doing what we want though sometimes it is but God understands why we struggle, and he has solutions for us. And that's why we go to him over and over and over again to wash our spirits clean because we cannot do it ourselves, because we have been corrupted and slimed, because we have been misled, because we are weak. We have to learn to make Jesus the master over our sin because if we don't our sin may very well end up being master over us according to old testament law and according to the understanding of a whole lot of people in our world today seats at god's table are not available to those who sin not one of us is able through our own merit to sit at God's heavenly table because of the sin which dwells within us. Or as Jesus phrased the question, who among you is without sin? Folks, our moral clothing is in disarray. Yes, the standard of sitting at God's table is high. But let me tell you this, the love of God for us, for his children, is so much higher.
the standard for sitting at God's table, even though our moral clothing is in disarray, is high, but God's love is even higher. And so he offers us a gift. Jesus goes further than that maitre d' went. Jesus takes off his cloak, his coat, his coat of perfect humanity, and he gives it to me and he gives it to you. But then he goes even a step further. He takes my coat of sin, he takes your coat of sin, and he puts it on himself. That's what Jesus does. And then he stretches out his arms of love on that hard wood of the cross and allows that coat of sin, which really belongs to us, to be nailed to the cross and forgiven. And that's what Jesus does for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.